I'm in a blended family and I feel jealous. Like I am not looked at with favor like these other kids are. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Whether you're a mom, a stepmom, a dad, a stepdad, there's a new relationship called a blended family. Blended family is kind of an interesting term in that if you tried to do this sometimes with families and family members, and, and we call it a blended family, but it ends up all mixed up, not blended well. And we're wondering, how did we get this all to come together nicely? Maybe you're in that situation today. Maybe you've had or you know somebody in your life that you've watched the awkwardness for everybody. How do we bring it together with God's help? Sam Kelly is in the studio with me. So many families deal with this. Our family has this. I know when Carlos and I were dating, we had four older kids and one young kid. And it was a reason I almost didn't marry him because of the very things that you're talking about, that it isn't smooth when it all blends together. There are probably some ways to navigate it better than what we're doing. And those are the things we need to know. It's complex. And I think when I look back on it, I'm so glad we got married anyway, because I had thought about not doing it. And I would have missed out on the man, but I also would have missed out on the kids because just because something is hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Mm. And that's one of the things I think when we look at something that's messy, you think, oh, I don't want to get involved with that. But there's great reward for being part of a young person's life, especially when they're going through a hard time with their parents splitting up. Well, I'm going to ask you a few questions today. Go for it. You know, when you come together and we have this, and I'm not even sure I like the term, but it's the term that everybody's connected with, blended family. Maybe we bring expectations and we bring hopes and we bring dreams to the situation. And when it doesn't quite turn out and we have different personalities and things happen and you think about, I had all these expectations that it was going to be really great. Did you have that experience? I had the opposite experience because I assumed it would be really terrible. (laughs) And it was remarkably, there were some really bright and wonderful things in there. So I think that's encouraging. His, yes. My husband's young son, Desmond, was the, the one that I got to know since he was six years old and right. just fell in love with him. And I think that had I not known Desmond, I wouldn't have decided to have a baby of my, my own. I, you know, he, he was such a gift and it was such a great thing. I will say now, now that he's 14, he has decided he doesn't want to speak to us and he's living with his mom. So, yeah, there's a lot of heartbreak in there. You can't fix it. You know, and I think that's the question I would have for you is when a child has the option of going to this home, well, yes. I'll just go to mom's home or I'll just go to dad's home. If you make me follow rules, I will leave. And that is very much what young kids do. They don't mean to be doing it wrong, but that's just normal, natural behavior. And I think we really see that around ages 13, 14, and maybe a little bit older that says, okay, I know I have a choice and it's just going to be easier for me if I'm somewhere else. Right. And you know, my mom said I could come back and I'm going to do that. 
And it's a lot of heartbreak if you're on the other side because you think, we just did nothing but pour into you and we tried really hard. I don't know. I guess there's that reward of when you do things, you know you did it right anyway. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but at least we we really tried. And we know that when we sow in and we've planted those seeds and we know you we did that for a period of time, they get a little bit older, they enter this teenager and they're testing boundaries and they think, well, it's going to be better elsewhere. And maybe they leave for a season, but I wonder how many times later on they, they see what they had. And, and maybe it takes a few years and relationships reconnect and they really see what they had. I have a question for you about dating. When mm. you have kids from a previous marriage, how soon do you introduce the kids to the person you're dating and how do you involve them? Because obviously, if you're going to get married, that's part of it. But you kind of hate to put your kids in the middle of something before you know what it is. And depending on the age of the kids, they may really be testing things early on and acting out just to see if they're going to be accepted. (laughs) It's a potential. I think we began to introduce it when we know that we are involved in a relationship that has potential that we're interested in pursuing because you're going to be spending time with this other person as you develop this relationship, as you're dating, as I'm pursuing this. And therefore, kids need to be introduced to a friend. And as things develop, we need to be very clear about it. They need to see us developing a healthy relationship and what that looks like. And we need to do it differently. We're going to model what's a healthy relationship. I think that could be a point of comfort for kids. Even though the attachment, the the fear is that if you don't go forward with the relationship, at some point you break up and you've brought the kids along on the ride, suddenly they're brokenhearted because they lost a second potential mommy or daddy. That's the Mm -hmm. fear. And as a Christian person who's trying to do it right, how do you judge when do I bring the kids in? One of the things that comes to my mind is I'm fairly serious about a person. I'm going to want to integrate the kids into some activities and spend time getting to know them. That's also a real sign. If you're dating somebody and they're willing to spend time getting to know the kids and doing things with them and building a relationship, I think that's a real positive sign. And we need to know that we're navigating this and there's going to be test points. Mm. There's going to be the teenage boy who's 15 years old and he may be saying, you're not my mom, but you're going to be spending time with him building that relationship because... Love will win. On Life, Love, and Family today, we're talking about the stress that comes from a blended family, the extra complications of being a step-parent, of being a step-child. And there is some help for you. If you feel like your situation, you really need someone from the outside to speak into that. The center is a place of hope, 888-771-5166. We've got a list here of seven of the most common challenges that you may be experiencing. Whether you're a mom, a stepmom, a dad, a stepdad, how do I navigate this? And, you know, one of the biggest things really is expectations. You know, there's the expectation that even the child has, that things will be different. And there's the expectation that perhaps for the first time, if they've felt even any sense of betrayal or they've been dealing with grief or loss, the child, irregardless of age, may have some natural expectations of stability, safety, security, and a sense of just really being loved because they may feel very broken and very vulnerable. And you're saying that that's an opportunity for a step-parent in that moment to fill in, or if they don't, that it leaves a wound? It could leave a wound and there's already wounds there. So we have a choice when there's already this emotional void or wounds. And for some kids, it's a sense of betrayal. They may feel like my dad left and it was probably really my fault. Mm. So they could still be dealing with that or they could still be dealing with the anger of what happened and why this is not right. This is not fair. I didn't want this to happen. 
again, depending on their age and developmentally where they are. So we need to always remember when we bring together, we blend this lumpy families together, that what is the child's perspective? And some of this depends on age. There are also kids that, uh, depending on what was going on, can also feel a great sense of relief. If there's emotional abuse or if there was a lot of addiction in the household, it's like the poison left. Interesting. As a step-parent, there's the feeling that, you know, the cliche of the evil stepmother, and there's the feeling that, especially for teenagers, they don't like me. They won't like me. They sure. don't need me. They don't want me. And when you have those kinds of feelings about kids, right. how do you know, oh, this is my moment anyway to stand strong in here? And what are you supposed to do? Do you push in or do you back off? We do both. And we see that as we're building a relationship. There's times it feels like, oh, we've, I've kind of, we've pressed in, we're making good progress. I feel like maybe we're starting to bond a little bit. And you go, right. oh, I'm encouraged. And the next day that kid wakes up and they are just testing you and you're going, what happened? I thought we were making progress. You are. But think of it this way. There'll be days that the tide goes way out and we have low tide and it's <laughs> like, what happened? What did I get myself into? And I maybe I feel disappointed. I'm not making progress. But as time goes along, those high and low tides are not extreme, as extreme. You're building a relationship. You're going to be faithful to that relationship and you're going to be praying over this kid or these kids that God, your love will win and, and I'm going to stay consistent. They need you to be consistent. Today on Life, Love, and Family, we're talking about blended families and healthy ways to grow. If you're stressed, if you're disappointed, we have a phone number for you to call and get some help. It's the Center Place of Hope, 888-771-5166. How often do you see people who come to you and they say, the battles that we're having over his children, her children are breaking up our marriage? Well, that's pretty common. We're going to see situations where we've given the kids in that situation so much power that it's created division among us. So mom and dad love each other and you're realizing that the extended families have such a powerful influence that it is creating a great deal of division. Remember, we have two people that maybe have come together. You may perhaps have disciplined differently in the past. You've had different philosophies. You love each other, but you have a different way of doing things. And now it's like, oh, no, you know, I love my new husband and I don't like how he's disciplined the kids. And and you start to see some things. Always, always stay unified between the two of you. And how do you handle that? Because that that could be a surprise. Let's say that's not something that came up in premarital counseling. And maybe it should, but this obviously is some things you should talk about. How do you handle that if you're thinking, wow, I really don't agree with my mate, but I want to show unity and we need to stand together. We might even agree to either read a book on parenting and discipline or go to a seminar. Go somewhere where you both are receiving the same information. And then where can we have a common point in all this information? Where can we have points of agreement that we're going to do this? This is our plan. When you marry somebody who has a family already that, that, that they've moved on from, you also are connected with that ex for well, let's, life. You let's have kids, talk about that. And you're going to share those kids with that person. Right. And your mate is going to be calling that person. That is complex. And you're going to have to figure out, how am I going to navigate this? And one of the first things I need to do is really work on not over-personalizing and making it about you. You're trying to make arrangements for kids with good intention. Perhaps there's an event or a birthday party and it doesn't go so well. You feel like you're treated poorly. We may have a hypersensitivity about taking these things personally. 
you're in a tough situation, period. Remember, this is not about you, so don't over-personalize it. There's times things are gonna be said that kind of bruise and sting. Let them go, turn it and pray for that other person. Pray for that mom or that dad because uh, they still have those connections with the kids and they're going to have it. Don't be easy to take offenses. Pray for this other person and how I talk to them. Make Christ's love be seen through me. There's a lot of power in that. My question for you is about if you've been the kid in a marriage that broke up and then you grow up, does it mean you're always going to have a wound or difficulties in forming relationships of your own? You know, you may, and there's a whole concept of attachment. How do we attach to other people? And when that starts early on, what was our attachments? In other words, our bonding. And if that was disrupted and we never really had, what I'll say is strong, healthy bonds with a parent, a loved one, a caretaker, we just didn't have strong attachments. We may have some some wounds of where we didn't have that closeness. And that may cause us as kids to do certain things that could seem like rebellious or I'm testing to see if I'm loved. Or on the flip side, I may quickly move over to really unhealthy relationships. I could be a young girl, 15, 14, 16, and I'm just looking for love. I'm allowing myself to be misused physically, sexually, and I am so vulnerable because I'm really looking to attach and have a healthy relationship, but I have not an idea what that looks like. Can you talk about how you fix that? I mean, because that sounds horrible, and it, it, there are enough people who are the kids in relationships right. that broke up. That doesn't give us a lot of hope for society, but what do you do if you go, I might be that guy or that woman who feels that way? You know, first of all, I do have to be aware that this is my pattern and probably have some understanding, how did this come about? Because really my attachment or having a sense of love from my Heavenly Father, feeling God's love, knowing that I'm highly valued and favored by God, I may not feel that. I may feel that I'm some way defective. and There's something wrong with me that God couldn't even love me. Or I only have value when I keep over-pleasing and doing all these things for other people and allowing myself to be misused. That's, that's when I feel love, but it's really not love. So I've got to have awareness of the pattern and I have to be willing to really break out and understand, begin to practice, okay, what's a healthy relationship? How do I even identify that? What are the traits of a healthy relationship? What's intimacy? How do I build intimacy? I think this takes some time to really do. Is it scary? Like if I change, then I I may not be in this relationship. I may be rejected again. And so there's a lot of fear behind this. Is it important to have mentors in your life for things like this? Or people, if your parents aren't a great example of how to do marriage right, where do we look? This is one of the things that our young people need to have mentors of what's healthy because you'll tend to repeat the patterns that you saw. So you may end up in a relationship with a girlfriend and I'm just gonna, I can take care of her, I I can fix her and she wants you to do that, but it's not a healthy relationship. Or you may end up in a relationship with a man that you realize, man, I've I've got a lot of resentments towards men because of how I was treated and and I'm not treating him so well (laughs) and or I'm allowing myself to be mistreated. So be aware, there are some things that I have to lay at the altar that only the power of the Holy Spirit can penetrate where there is forgiveness. And I feel set free from that. The pain may still be there and I don't understand what happened to me and I feel really hurt about what happened growing up and my parents divorced and I feel a lot of injury from that, but I am choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to see myself as God sees me and allow myself to be loved. It sounds so clean and it sounds so 
possible, but what are some steps? What are some actual things that you can do if you have this kind of brokenness that you need to go through some forgiveness sure. process? Well, one of the steps you need to make is identify the injury. Were you six years old and your dad left and you're still hurt from it and you're still looking for your dad and you've had a series of, of really unhealthy relationships? That's just an example. So I've got to identify the injury and probably multiple injuries, multiple emotional injuries. So am I filled with fear now? Do I have a hard time trusting others? What do I experience as a result of those injuries? Distrust, inability to form close relationships. Am I afraid to really truly attach to anybody? What is it I'm experiencing? Do I have a lot of depression and I'm really afraid that I'm going to lose other people in my life? And once you identify that, what can you do with it if you say, well, okay, I know that I have the fear. I know that this is where I got hurt. I'm working towards forgiveness. Is there something physically that you can do that would do that? I'm, do you think a counselor would be best or what are some ideas? I think somebody that really knows you and loves you that's not a family member. Sure. <laughs> a pastor or somebody that really understands this, a professional Christian counselor who can be of help, but don't utilize family in this regard because it, this has been a family issue and uh, you want a different perspective. You have kids of your own, you marry somebody else who has kids, and we, we can easily fall into comparisons. And the idea that one is better than the other or the window of favoritism come in. Yeah. And I wonder too, even if kids perceive that, whether it's true or not, that for kids trying to navigate a situation, we've already had a couple letters from people going, I'm in a blended family and I feel jealous. Like I am not looked at with favor like these other kids are. And it's really real that you grow up with an identity of just being less than sometimes. So that means you may have a sense of some shame, like I'm defective. I'm not quite good enough. We want to really be aware of this and really work to overcome this. Well, and I wonder too, and I'll ask about this just in full honesty, because I know I was a stepmom for a six-year-old. He's 14 now, but yes. when he was really young, I was new, first child I ever had access to, and I just wanted to spoil him. I just mm -hmm. wanted to do all kinds of things that he had never done and have so much fun and all of yes. these things. And there was a part of me, I think, that was very competitive with his mom. Even though she's a nice lady and we have a great relationship, there was a part of me that was just... Sure. trying to make sure we would have the best family. <laughs> and and does that happen for people? I mean, I'm just being honest because I wish I hadn't done it like right. that. Uh, Sam, I think that would be really normal because you, you want to, first of all, do a great job and there may be a sense of, okay, I'm going to build this relationship. I'm going to really yes. help him. And, and it's all really good intent. And maybe we might tend at first to go overboard a bit yeah, to win approval yes. or to win acceptance. Right. If you're the kid, there could be a loss of identity identity as far as who am I or what's my real family mm. and some of the questions yes. and then now who do I really have to listen to right it's kind of the, from the kids vantage point is who's my real boss right and when it comes to values in each home different habits as far as when you go to bed how you yes. handle your homework all of these things are things we had to deal with with different houses having different rules it's how do you balance that and the other house has just as much right to have their rules that they have it is hard to balance. It is. And respecting the different households and understanding, you can tell yourself this, but you know, we do things differently here, but we're not going to speak poorly about the other household. Right. That's got to be confusing for kids. One of the things that if you've brought in kids into your family and you're working really hard and things aren't going well, you may find a lot of just internalized anger. I'm angry. This is the how it is. This is not what I signed up for. 
you just feel a lot of frustration. You, maybe you're doing a good job not showing it because you're not showing it towards the kids. You may not be showing it towards your husband, but inside you are just so upset and mm. it doesn't seem to go away. Those frustrations are compounding each day. You may find yourself sliding and just feeling depressed and feeling that in some way you failed or maybe you made a mistake, wanting to sneak away with food or something to bring you comfort. Watch for that. Escapism behaviors. I'm five hours on Facebook because I don't want to deal with anything at home anymore mm. or mm. whatever it may be for you. Yeah. And we all know just being a parent where you don't have other right. houses involved is hard enough. And when you add in the extra, it's it's quite a bit to deal with. And you're not alone if that's you. You know, there's also for the kids, and this would be really normal, there could be an acting out. They're in a new household. They may be acting out and testing boundaries because really they're asking the question, do you love me? Do you accept me? They're going to try to push your button, push the boundaries. They may lie. They're, they're really testing. Do you really love me? How do you respond? Well, the key word, if we're back to that word consistent, I'm going to be consistent with my boundaries. I'm going to be consistent with natural consequences because that is how they're going to know that I do love them. Can you explain what a natural consequence is? Sure. The kid lies about homework to you, doesn't do well. Well, a natural consequence would be build that class. It's going to need retake it, perhaps. But there's natural consequences that we're not going to rescue them from. But we're going to say... Oh, I'm I'm so sorry that's what happened. I, I thought you had it, but I'm so sorry that you're going to need... You show some empathy, but you let it have the natural consequence. They get ownership for their decision yes. to act out, and then they maybe think twice about doing it again. <laughs> and they saw you as loving in the middle of that. Yeah. And you didn't rescue from the natural consequence. Wow. That's hard. I think I'll raise my hand, especially for moms, because I think we don't yes. want to see our kids get hit with a consequence. If we can possibly prevent it, and even our, our stepkids, we really don't, and we would do anything. That's and that's right. not always a blessing. That's right. We have a note from Jill. She says, my stepmom is quick to help her own children when they have financial problems, sometimes major financial problems. But when me or my siblings need this kind of help, she doesn't have the extra from dad and her. It makes me mad. My dad lets this happen. How do I take the subject up with him? <laughs> well, bring it right up and, and be careful to point out an example without condemning. Here's what I observed is this something that you could you saw as well? Don't do it with a heavy sense of judgment. Well, now they still may say, "No way, you don't get it." But I believe we do need to point it out. It's greater possibility for good by pointing it out by not saying anything. Really? Because not saying anything is going to teach that it's okay. And what impact is that going to have on the kid over okay. time? We're hearing both sides of this with the blended families issue. Sometimes it works out, and it's you know there's always the blessings in it, and then we're just finding universally it's pretty hard but maybe worth it i was wondering if you're dating <laughs> is there ever a sign that you go wow i shouldn't go forward with this marriage if it's a mixed family situation what's a sign where you should hold back do you think if you're dating and there is not an investment in the kids which means time mm -hmm. and uh, you're seeing a lot of very early frustrations short temper, kind of moving the kids out of the way. The kids are yours and you're seeing this person you're dating is not, not engaging. You don't sense that full acceptance. And they're coming in maybe too quick with authority. They're coming in too quick to take over. They haven't developed a relationship with the kids. 
it's not a good start. But that's a warning sign. What about what God does when the most unlikely of families get together? Have you seen stories where it's just been amazing? What is your heart for blended families? I think of immediately a situation that came to mind where a young man, probably 18, 19 now, said that he was so glad that he ended up having a relationship with a stepmom, who now he calls mom, because she stepped in and he learned to trust her and she became mom. Now, his biological mom had a stronghold addiction in her life. She wasn't able to, to meet those needs. You know, he had high gratitude because he allowed somebody else to love him. Was it easy at first? No. But he's, he's saying, I am so glad that I gave her a fair chance. And she proved herself over time. And you keep showing up and a child is eventually going to know that. Yes. We're back to consistency, aren't we? It is. I remember, too, if we don't sweat what we're called and who gets the credit, it's beautiful. When we first got Desmond, I would feel weird when we go to these school events and people yes. would go, oh, are you Desmond's mom? And there would be this awkward moment of introduction. Oh, or, what, yes. Who am I? I don't even know what my name should be for him. <laughs> I am sort of his mom. I'd like to be his mom. And um, he started introducing me and he would just say, this is my Sam. And mm-hmm. I grew to appreciate that. Sam was a title (laughs) that I could love and that it is just as much an honor to be in that kid's life. Even if you don't get the full on title and the full on everything, you've had a chance to be a mentor in a moment. You've had a chance to speak into it and you don't need the full on credit. That belongs to God anyway. And as time goes along, that may have even deeper meaning at some point. You're praying God's peace over the children and over the ex. Yes. How do you pray? And I'm gonna, I mean it. <laughs> I'm going to be one that speaks affirming words over those kids' futures. And Lord God, give me wisdom to deal with the ex. Give me the wisdom to deal with the other families. Too often we see them as the opposing family. So uh, begin, to, Lord, just give me wisdom. And may I show kindness and love and give me wisdom because we got to be careful. We're not speaking negatively and absorbing a lot of negative about them. That just poisons us. Yeah. We speak the blessing and don't take it personally. I think that was good advice Mm. that you had as well. You can get to a place where not only is there stability, we can get a place where everybody is thriving. There is hope. There's times in blended family situations where we develop something called codependency. That's right. We keep trying to overplease and overplease and things aren't changing and you're growing more frustrated and so is everybody else. I'd like you to know about our book. Dr. Tim Clinton and myself wrote a book called Don't Call it Love. How to break out of this cycle. How to have healthy attachments. Don't call it love. I've also talked about a place that I founded 30 years ago. The center, a place of hope. When you need to dig in deeper and really deal with the root causes to change a pattern in your life, to find healing and a new journey, I want you to make note of this number, the center, 888-771-5166. Again, it's the center, a place of hope. Here's the toll-free number to learn more about what options could be there, 888 
771-5166. This program has been Life, Love, and Family. Dr. Clinton and I are happy that we can spend this time with you, and we believe there are unique challenges facing our families today and blended families. With God's blessing and the proper help, we can create change. Visit our website, Life lifeloveandfamily.net Life, Love, and Family You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated and sometimes you get mad for no reason and maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call one 771 5166 or for help right now visit aplaceofhope.com.